This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where most of the COVID numbers are looking better, except the most important one. The health department reported another 276 fatalities from COVID-19 Tuesday. That's a new record for the most fatalities reported in a single day. The overall death toll in Florida has reached 8,685. Officials in Hillsborough County are pushing back after the state education commissioner rejected their plan to start the new school year online and then reopen classrooms later in September. Public schools are the bedrock of our community. But so far, we've seen zero leadership from this White House. Trump's failure to take action to get this virus under control, to get our schools the resources that they need, it's put our school districts in an impossible, impossible situation. South Florida lawmakers are calling on the governor and the president to come up with a more aggressive response to the COVID crisis. We are losing lives needlessly here locally in Miami-Dade County, in Broward County, Palm Beach County, but also in the state of Florida because we're not following the guidelines and the precautions that we all know must be followed. Joe Biden picks California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate. Orlando Congresswoman Val Demings says it was an incredible honor for her to make the short list of candidates. And even though she wasn't selected, Demings says seeing a black woman nominated for the first time reaffirms her faith that in America, there is a place for every person to succeed, no matter who they are or where they come from. Today on Sunrise, a deep dive into the politics of playing ball. The president says postponing or canceling the 2020 college football season would be a tragic mistake. And by the most amazing coincidence, that was the topic of the governor as he held a roundtable discussion at the indoor practice field of the FSU football team. We've put the protocols in place for medical aspects. We have done everything else we think that we can do to make it a safe environment. And we think we're ready to play. And our coaches want to coach and our players want to play. It's up to us to make sure the environment's safe. And I think we've done that. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man who, for some reason, decided to drop his pants and rub one out in front of a security camera that was being monitored in real time. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, August 12th. While most of the metrics for Florida's COVID crisis are showing signs of improvement, we just set a new record for fatalities. The health department reported 276 additional deaths Tuesday. It also confirmed 5,831 new cases of COVID-19, pushing the state's known total to 542,792. As schools continue reopening across the state, officials in Hillsborough County are pushing back. The state education commissioner rejected their reopening plan because they wanted to start the semester online and then reopen classrooms next month. State Senator Janet Cruz of Tampa says it's another example where the medical experts are being ignored by the politicians, and she says the blame starts at the top. Well, of course, we all want our schools to open. You know, the problem is that um, President Trump has failed us over and over again. You know, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, and I've served here in Tampa Bay for decades, and I know full well that our public schools are the bedrock of our community. But so far, we've seen zero leadership from this White House. Trump's failure to take action to get this virus under control, to get our schools the resources that they need, it's put our school districts in an impossible, impossible situation. The decision about when to reopen safely should be made by local officials based on science with the safety of the students and the educators in mind. And it should not be made 
recognizing that if we do this wrong, we'll put lives at risk and, you know, set our, our, our economy and our country back. I mean, we're talking about people's lives here, guys. We all know that. So here's what really needs to be done. First, we get the cases down in our communities through social distancing, masking, testing, tracing, and PPE. This is fundamental to reopening our schools and our economy. Secondly, we give school districts uniform guidance. I talk to parents right now who don't have answers. There's no guidance. No one, no one is willing to give us any guidance or any uniform guidance without, you know, we have to do this without any political in, in interference and an effective safety protocol program, including ventilation and physical changes to the classroom. Our students here in Florida are sitting in classrooms where the windows are shut securely for safety reasons. So we have inefficient air conditioning systems and they're sitting inside hot boxes as it is. You know, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. The bottom line here, in my opinion, is that we need the president to stop tweeting all day long and get to work. And he needs to do that yesterday. April Cobb teaches middle school math in Hillsborough, and she's tired of politicians trying to dump all of society's problems on the shoulders of teachers, while at the same time they're being treated as expendables. Right now, um, many of my colleagues feel as though they're choosing between um, their career or their lives. And um, that's so unfortunate because we didn't sign up for this. And I don't know when we became the solution to all causes and matters as they're related to education and children. But I do know I serve as a teacher. And in, in that capacity, I often find myself mothering children, auntie and children, um, mentoring children, advocating for children. This is where the line needs to be drawn. Administrators, um, um, staff support, teachers, we are not the solution to this problem that has arisen because of lack of leadership. I just want to say that we're not responsible for stimulating the economy. We're not. And we're not responsible for the, um, the food insecurities. We're not responsible for the child abuse. Those are issues that are not education related. And and we as teachers, we just don't, we no longer want to be, you know, gaslighted for that. We, that's, that's not our responsibility. We understand the concerns of our parents and the community of children that we serve. But right now, the conversations that many of us are having is we have to make a choice. And most of it is financially driven. I have to make a decision to go back to work. And I also have to make a decision of will that put me in a position to where I put my family and myself at risk? And for me, I can't, I, I can't take that risk because there are no other matriarchs in my family. I, I am it. So I cannot put myself in a position to say I go back in the classroom because for me, that's as if I'm playing Russian roulette. The education commissioner tries to justify his order to reopen schools by saying minority students will suffer and the achievement gap will expand if they have to continue learning remotely. That's especially annoying to Hillsborough County School Board member Janet Perez, who wonders where were all those concerns before COVID-19? Prior to COVID-19, these issues were never addressed. The repairs to the schools were never made. And that's just not here in Hillsborough County. That's been a cry for help throughout this nation. It's always been a, an issue. So 
to verbalize that as an as a cause for them to return to brick and mortar today with COVID under this issue with COVID nineteen is is not okay. And using our children as an excuse is even worse. I see what COVID nineteen does. I see the ramifications of having COVID nineteen. The body doesn't always heal totally from um, the effects of COVID-19. So that's also something that we have to take into consideration, not just with our children, but our teachers going into brick and mortar, and also with our students taking it home to their parents and grandparents. The reopening of schools is not as much of an issue in South Florida yet because they're still in phase one of the COVID recovery and have more flexibility on when to bring the kids back to the classroom. Even so, Miami Congresswoman Debbie Mukersell-Powell says it's still a huge problem. We are seeing the state of Florida forcing schools to reopen when we have seen positivity rates over 20% just here in Miami-Dade County. Within two weeks, we'll see what happens when some of these schools have already reopened. They are having in-class in physical instruction. Um, we need to follow the guidelines, expand testing, invest in mobile clinics that will bring testing to underserved communities, make sure that everyone is following a mask order, whether it's instituted by the governor or not. But I think that we need to every day focus on the health of our communities so that we can reopen safely and our economy can start recuperating because at this point, our economy has really gone into a, a, a deeper and deeper recession with millions of Floridians that still have yet to collect unemployment. We're in this mess because too many of our state leaders have followed President Trump's playbook, putting big business and the well-connected ahead of everyday people. Look at why they're holding people hostage. For corporate liability shields, they want to slash unemployment benefits, they don't want to fund more testing and tracing, and they want to reopen schools before it's safe. And while all of this is happening, they're still suing to get rid of the ACA. It's time for Florida's state and county leaders and senators to learn from their mistakes and to prevent further economic shutdowns, illness, and unnecessary loss of life and get this under control. We have to follow what our public health experts are advising. We need to test and get the spread under control so that contact tracing can be effective. But while this is happening, we need to make sure that everyday people can get through this pandemic with an unemployment system that works and funds our social safety nets so that we're also aren't dealing with the homeless epidemic. We knew all of this from the beginning. We just need those in power, the governor, the county mayor to do it. We are losing lives needlessly here locally in Miami-Dade County, in Broward County, Palm Beach County, um, but also in the state of Florida because we're not following the guidelines and the precautions that we all know must be followed. Broward Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz says the misinformation coming out of the White House, combined with the governor's decision to follow Donald Trump's pandemic playbook, has led to a lack of public trust in government. One of the main lessons that we learned from the 1918 pandemic was that U.S. government leaders, health officials, and even the press back then intentionally downplayed or misled the public on the severity of that horrific health threat. Certainly, there were exceptions in the fact that they were gearing up for or engaged in World War I, tremendously influenced the outright censorship of the viral threat the world faced back then. But America is not facing any such global war today. We have a free press, and yet again, the lack of public trust caused by neglect and purposeful misstatements is eroding our ability to slay 
or control this viral monster before us, as, as Andy so rightly said. We, we can actually slay this beast, but we have leaders who are refusing to take the actions necessary to do that. And that's why Trump can't say that this virus will just disappear. He can just say this virus will disappear someday, and a quarter of the country probably believes him. Lack of public trust is why Governor DeSantis can continue to refuse to issue a mandatory mask order because his base thinks it's a waste of time or a loss of liberty, not a vital protection against viral spread. Andy Slavitt ran the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services during the final two years of the Obama administration. He says there is a way for Florida to emerge from this crisis. It's just a matter of choosing the right path. You are like in the Robert Frost poem where two roads diverge because we have watched countries around the world and we've watched states who have been in this spot and they've reacted differently. One path takes you on a flattened but prolonged torturous road where things never get quite back to normal. You still see a number of deaths. They may not be increasing. They may not be overwhelming the hospitals, but you don't see the reduction. It's sort of like what the country experienced throughout the month of May. The other path is the path that was taken in New York and New Jersey and uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts. And I encourage you to take that path here to dramatically reduce the number of cases, dramatically reduce the number of cases so that you can count them on your fingers and your toes. That is possible. That is where we are in New York. It took some doing. It is not easy. It is an ask for people to sacrifice a little bit. But when you do that, guess what happens? You can go to school. You can vote in person. Uh, you can catch cases when they come up. It's not that we're afraid of cases. We're afraid of outbreaks. And you can, you can catch cases and prevent outbreaks. You are winning. Um, and you are reducing the death toll. So if you take that second path, it requires a couple of things. First of all, there's no possible way to take that path unless you have enough testing capability. And of course, uh, masks are important. And the re reason masks are important is because unless the virus has no place to go, it will keep going. We understand how the virus works. It goes when people are breathing near one another or breathing in a room and leave and someone else comes in. If you don't do that, the virus dies. We are too kind to this virus. We are too good a host to this virus. We let it live, we let it pass, we let it spread. We don't have to do that. We were all born with, God gave us get the gifts necessary, even before a vaccine, to eliminate this virus. Can you imagine the look on Ron DeSantis' face if someone told him he needs to follow the example set by New York? That alone would be worth the price of admission. But the governor didn't talk about changing tactics or the record number of fatalities Tuesday. He was more interested in college football. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures, and in network with all healthcare providers. You can read the open plan today at fha.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. The governor held another one of his COVID-19 roundtable discussions at Florida State University Tuesday, which was an appropriate venue because it was all about college football. The president just announced that canceling college football this year would be a tragic mistake, and Ron DeSantis says that's not going to happen in Florida. 
There were uh, discussions amongst different presidents of different conferences about whether they should just deep six the football season entirely, and that caused uh, a reaction of, of college players all around the country uh, saying, we want to play. And uh, we're here to say uh, from the state of Florida, we want you guys to play. The environment that sports provides at a place like Florida State is a safer environment for these kids than what they would have if they didn't have access to this environment. You know, this is like a family. Uh, the people that you play with, the coaches, the trainers, administrators, uh, they're looking out for these kids. Uh, they want everybody to be safe, not just with respect to coronavirus, but all kinds of health issues that come up in an athletic season. So this is the safest place to be, uh, to take away that season would be short-circuiting the dreams that so many of our student-athletes have worked for, in many cases, their whole lives. And we have so many student-athletes who, if it weren't for the role of sports in their lives growing up, you know, they may not have been able to get to this point where they can get an education. Um, it's been formative in terms of people developing work ethic and character, and um, we believe that discussions about short-circuiting the season um, are entirely misplaced. And I support Florida State continuing to play with the season, as I do all the sports uh, throughout the state of Florida. It's very, very important. FSU President John Thrasher says the Knolls are ready to roll. The first game is scheduled September 12th, and Thrasher says their players just want to play. They want to play because they have been they've been involved in this sport for many, many years. They think we have, as the governor said, safe protocols in place. They think that we have a, a the right atmosphere to go out and play football. Our coaches want to coach. They came here to coach football. Coach Norvell has, has got a great game plan together for the season, great game plan for the practices and in terms of safety and all of that. And I think they're both ready to play. We, we know that we can do it safely. And what we pr frankly want to send is a message to some of the other schools that may be teetering on whether or not to play football. We think it's the, in the best interest of our student athletes for us to play football. We can do it safely and we can do it productively for them as well as the, the absolute culture of our university and certainly this community of Tallahassee. We're ready to do it. I want to be able to go to the president's meeting, the next president's meeting uh, of the ACC presidents and sa say, and I will be able to, our governor is behind us, our coaches are behind us, our team is behind us, and let's get ready to play football because we're ready to do it. FSU Athletic Director Dave Coburn says they've consulted with the experts and set up a system designed to protect the players from COVID. We've gone to great lengths to ensure the safety and well-being of our players and our staff. We're very comfortable with where we are. We've had a lot of really good medical advice, both locally and from the conference and nationally. And we're comfortable that we can give this the best shot that can be given. One game that is not on the schedule this year is the annual grudge match between the Knowles and the Gators, because the Southeastern Conference has canceled non-conference games this year. DeSantis is still hoping they can find some way to play, but he's not about to issue an executive order or anything like that.
you know, the, the schedule is what the schedule is now. As we all know, when the SEC changed uh, their schedule, uh, that took a, an important game to our state off the map. And so, you know, we'll see if there's any type of fallout from some of these other conferences, how that may uh, provide an opportunity, you know, to play what I think is a very important rivalry game for the state of Florida. So uh, I, I've told uh, both uh, schools, you know, I'm totally supportive of making that happen if there was a way, but I understand. I mean, these schedules are what they are, and there's only a limited amount of, um, uh, of options at this point. So the question was, would I take executive action to do the FSU-UF game? And the answer to that is, I mean, that obviously would need to be done in collaboration. I mean, um, part of the whole thing with this, that I, you know, I'm, I'm just – it's, it's not for one person with no checks to just be dictating these things. I mean, we've really got to work together. I think that I know the players want to play the game. I know the coaches want to play the game. E everyone will want to do it. So, you know, it would be the type of thing where it's more of just logistics, figuring out how all this shakes out in probably the very near future, and then seeing, um, seeing what our options are. But, um, you know, I think uh, if you look back, I mean, how many, uh, you know, we kind of set our calendar in some way to the FSU-UF game. I mean, it's just we know, you know, when it gets to that point in November, we know it's going to happen. And we know all the great, um, you know, great heroics that have, uh, you know, that have happened in all these uh, in all these games through the years. So, you know, I personally, just as a Floridian, I mean, I'd like to, I wouldn't want to deprive these kids of that opportunity at the same time. For them to be able to play the season, even under a little bit of abbreviation, you know, if, if I would take that, you know, bird in the hand, if that's if that's what we do, that is much better than, than nothing for sure. If the Gators and the Seminoles do not end up playing each other this year, it'll be the first time that's happened since 1957. Your calendar of events begins with the Public Service Commission Nominating Council. They're meeting at 9 in Fort Myers. The Florida Commission on Offender Review meets by conference call at 9. The state's Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. The Florida International University trustees meet online at 10.30. The Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute is holding an online briefing about COVID-19's impacts on Florida veterans. That's at 1. The Florida Atlantic University Board of Trustees is meeting online at 1. The St. John's River State College Board of Trustees will meet at 2. The Hillsborough Community College Board of Trustees holds an online meeting at 4. Finally today, a Florida man who dropped his pants directly in front of a security camera and committed a lewd act Monday says he has no explanation for his behavior, other than the fact that he's a bit of an idiot. Police say 20-year-old Nicholas Heinzen of Palm Bay drove to a water treatment plant shortly after midnight and removed his pants. The first thing he did was moon the camera. Then he turned around to face it while he masturbated. An employee at the water department saw it happening, called police. They arrived just as Heinzen was driving away. When an officer asked why he did it, he replied, Because I am dumb. Honestly, that may be the scariest part. Florida man has become self-aware. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.